Uh, nice to see you all. And um, just recapping where we left off last week, we talked about the giants that we all face. Uh, all kinds of giants in our lives. We can either let them overcome us or we can actually fight back and see God win great victories against the giants. So we're going to use a familiar story of David and Goliath. So if you turn to 1 Samuel 17, please, in your Bible. And um, we saw last week that um, David was from Bethlehem and he fought this giant And then we talked about another guy who was from Bethlehem, obviously Jesus, who came to fight the ultimate giant of Satan and sin in our lives. And so as we pick up the story, we're in 1 Samuel 17. I'm going to read from verse 41. Uh, We've seen the armies of Israel uh, lining up on one side of the uh, the valley on the hillside. And we've seen the armies of the Philistines lining up on the other side. And instead of just going at a pitch battle with each other, the Philistines had this tactic that they would send out a champion. This champion would come out, stride out, shout and bawl and really intimidate the enemy and say, send one man to fight me. And if I win him, you become our slaves. But if you win me, then we become your slaves. And that was their sort of like, sort of like civilized way of fighting battles. So we pick up the story in verse 41 of 1 Samuel 17. It says this, Meanwhile, the Philistine, Goliath, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? Actually, that's an interesting point there, sticks. Because David was only carrying one stick. And if you've ever read a book by any books by Malcolm Gladwell, I uh, really recommend you to read a book that Malcolm Gladwell wrote a few years ago about David and Goliath. Because he has a real theory about how uh, this guy was a giant and how he had a problem. And this problem really affected his health and made his vision double. That's why he needed a, a shield bearer to, to walk out in front of him and guide him out there. And it's a really interesting story. If you don't want to read the book, watch the TED Talk. <laughs> but anyway, there you go. So he says, am I a dog that you come up with these sticks? Come here, he said, and I will give your flesh to the birds and to the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. The God of the armies of Israel, who you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This very day, I will give the carcasses of of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel All those gathered here will know that this is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's. And he will give all of you into our hands. It's amazing to see how confident David is. He's not cocky. 
He's absolutely certain that God has given him that victory. He's absolutely sure what's going to happen. He's going to kill this giant and he's going to cut off this giant's head. How could he be so confident in the face of, of this monster? Well, we talked about the Philistines last week. And we, if you know anything about the geography of Israel, the west of Israel is the coast of the Mediterranean. You've got Tel Aviv and beautiful beaches and everything like that. And on the far east of, of Israel, you've got mountain ridges and valleys and there's plains. And that's where most of the major cities are. Hebron, Jerusalem, they're the places that the enemy wanted to attack. So the enemy, like the Philistines, they were like uh, our our Vikings if you like they came from Crete and they traveled in boats across the Mediterranean landed on the beaches in the west of Israel made their way towards these these hilltop uh, cities to conquer them and to therefore conquer the people and the whole country but war nearly always happened in this middle ground the interior of Israel it's called the Shephelah and um, it's a beautiful place, absolutely beautiful. There's forests, there's mountains, there's valleys, there's all kinds of vegetation. But this is where this battle took place, in the Valley of Elah, it's called. I said Elah last week, it's Elah, and uh, being corrected. And uh, so uh, Israel on one side, the Philistines uh, on the other, drawn up for battle. We tend to use the term oh, it's a David and Goliath battle. And we tend to sort of like always see David as the underdog, don't we? Well, thankfully, we've got our own resident giant in Derby City Church. And we've got a photograph on the, uh, if Tavonga wants to put it up, there you go. So Tom Aylin, who's... Um, playing rugby at the minute. I mean, would you want to play rugby against him? Goodness, imagine that thing running towards you. <laughs> but that is, um, that's the difference between me and Tom. And um, I'm not scared of him. Not one bit. Well, I am a bit playing rugby, I would be. But anyway, so that's even not, not what David and Goliath was. It said Goliath was nine feet tall. He's always seen as the favourite his weaponry was far superior. He had a sword, he had a spear, he had a javelin. He had an enormous shield to protect him. Everything that Goliath seemed to put out was powerful. The way that he was built, the, the way that he was armed. He was, he was the infantry of the Philistine army. And he was their champion. Like I said last week, he wasn't champion arm wrestler. He was champion killer. And he'd killed probably many, many people. David is seen as the underdog. Mainly because he's the little bloke. Mainly because he's young. He's a boy, it says in the... Uh, well, that's, that's Goliath's sort of like thing. Will you come at me? You're just a boy. But David seemed to be less armed. He had a simple sling and just a few smooth stones. He had no armor whatsoever. Saul tried to give him the armor, but he couldn't wear it. He said it's just far too, far too cumbersome. So David's always seen as weak. Plus he's a shepherd. He's not really trained for warfare. He's just, a, he's just a humble shepherd. Shepherds were not really respected in that day. If you couldn't find any other job, you would end up being a shepherd. And so that seemed to be, seems to be the, the, the story that David is the underdog. And it's always seemed to be a bit of an, uh, an underdog story. The odds are impossible 
It's the weak versus the strong. But do you know what? If you read this story again, and you reread this story, the more you read this story, the more you realize in no way was David the underdog. In no way did David see himself as the underdog. In no way was David threatened by the size or the way that this giant was equipped. And that's really interesting because the rest of Israel were. The rest of Israel were petrified. They were shaking. They were terrified. The king of Israel, Saul, he was also shaking. But David, this young shepherd boy from Bethlehem, he wasn't intimidated. He was going to come against this this giant and he was going to win a great victory. You see, when you think about it, Goliath was infantry. He was was well stocked up for hand-to-hand combat, close combat. David, he wasn't infantry. He had a sling. So in modern day terms, he would be artillery. He would be able to get anything from a distance. What's that song? I'm not saying from a distance. But from a distance. He knew he didn't have to get close to that giant. He knew that if he got close to that giant, that giant would hurt him with the equipment that he had. But he had something far better than what the giant had. He had a sling. He could sling that stone from a distance. David was highly accurate. It says that when protecting the sheep, he... he, he slung stones at lions and bears and wolves. And he was highly, highly accurate. Slingers could hit a bird out of the sky. Slingers could get their, their slings going at such a, such a rate that when they, when they shot that stone, it was going at 35 meters a second. Uh, that is equivalent to a, a .45 pistol. Imagine if, if a stone hit you. Interesting, the stones in the Valley of Ilar are made of barium. Barium is a really heavy, heavy granite rock. And so one of those stones hitting you would really, really hurt you. David knew all these things. David wasn't going to get in hand-to-hand battle with his giant. He was going to pick the giant off from a distance because he was equipped with the right equipment. What does it mean for us? Well, turn to Revelation, the very last book in the Bible. A lot of people give up on Revelation. They don't uh, read it because it's far too complicated for them. But as I read this, picture what we heard about last week, about one man from Bethlehem coming and fighting the battle. And then hear what John is writing about in Revelation. And think about the Christmas story that's coming up as well. It's all wrapped into this particular passage. Revelation 12 verse 1. A great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven. An enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its head. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them down to earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment he was born. 
she gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all nations with an iron scepter. That's quoting from Psalm 2. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God. There she might be taken care of for 1260 days. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and all his angels fought against the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough. And they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down. That ancient snake called the devil or Satan who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before God day and night has been hurled down. They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore, Rejoice, you heavens, and who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury, because he knows that his time is short. What do we know about that? Thinking about the story of David and Goliath, and how David's not the underdog. Thinking about the end of all times, when we know that the devil, God has prepared a place for the devil. Meanwhile... The devil is roaming around. He's roaming around seeking who he can devour, seeking who he can maim, seeking who he can damage. He's our enemy. We have to be careful. We have to be careful of our enemy. We have to respect him. But we shouldn't get too close to him because he can hurt us. If you do the Alpha course, Nicky Gumbel answers the question, why is there still evil in the world? If Jesus died on the cross, why is there still evil in the world now? And he says, well, at the, at like when the end of the war, when it was Victory in Europe Day, uh, when it was D-Day, uh, that was when the enemy was defeated. But it took a short while, while it was still quite dangerous, before VE Day. And so we had to be careful, because there were still enemy outposts around who could still shoot you, who could still kill you. So you have to be careful. The devil knows he is a defeated foe. So he's out now to try and damage as many people as possible. That's why we shouldn't let him get too close to him. So point one of our application this morning is, our enemy is defeated. Our enemy is defeated. Why? It says here in Revelation, because that one man, Jesus, the lamb that was slain on the cross for our sins, has, he's the one who's got close to the devil. The devil thought he'd won. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, that, that was the devil. He was cheering. He thought he would win. Three days later, we know that we're cheering because that's what Easter's all about. Jesus rose from the dead. So our enemy is totally defeated. Satan, our accuser, is the loser. The whole book of Revelation, interestingly, when in Revelation 12, verse 11, it says, they triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. That is the dead center of the book. 
The whole book pivots on that particular verse. Beforehand, it's all about the enemy and what he's, what he's doing. But then, then he's defeated. The, the lamb comes onto the scene. And after that, it's all about what's going to happen to our enemy and how he is defeated and how, how eternity is going to be set up. It's the dead center. So the bottom line is, when David stands before Goliath, David says to Goliath, the battle is not mine, the battle is the Lord's. This battle is not ours, this battle is God's. So our our enemies is defeated and the battle is the Lord's, not yours. I don't know what battles you're facing this morning. I would, if I was a betting man, I would bet you are facing some battles. In lots of different ways. Maybe externally with how the world is. Maybe how your job is, your finance or relationships in some way. Maybe internally. Maybe with your wrestle with all kinds of uh, uh, mental health, worry, anxiety. Whatever it is. Every single one of us who are human beings have battles to fight. And we need to tell ourselves the battle is not ours. It's the Lord's. And our enemy is already defeated. Secondly, our weapons are far superior. David could see that Goliath had heavy weapons. If you got close to him, he would hurt you. But if you stayed at a distance and you had a more superior weapon, then those weapons were never going to hurt you, what Goliath had. Because the weapon that David had was far superior. The weapons... That the Lord gives us are far superior. How do we triumph over him? By the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. We all know our testimony. Our testimony, if you reduce it down, if you boil it down, it is Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord of our lives. We are in Jesus. He is in us. Full stop. Our weapon is our testimony. The enemy will try to damage us, will try to get close to us. But our weapons are more powerful because Jesus has secured our victory on the cross. I wonder what our equivalent to the stones are. David had five, stu- five smooth stones. He only needed one to kill the, kill the enemy. But I wonder what the equivalent is. And as I was thinking about it, I thought about, well, actually, the fruit of the Spirit. You know, and you would say, well, yeah, but if you throw fruit at someone, that doesn't really hurt anybody, does it? Just makes a bit of a mess. But you think about the fruit of the Spirit. When anybody comes at you with hate, show love back. Sling love back. Throw love back at them. When anybody comes at you with real attack, you know, throw peace back. Be peacemakers, the Bible says. Have patience. Show kindness. Respond in joy to people. Be faithful. Even when people aren't faithful to you, be faithful. Be gentle. Use your self-control. They're the stones that, that God's given us. They're the things that we need to fight our battles. They might not seem to the enemy to be anything powerful at all until the enemy starts receiving them. When you start receiving love in response to your hate, it does something. It does something. And if you keep having love fired back at you, eventually hate cannot win. Our battle 
is not ours, it is the Lord's. 2 Peter, where are we? 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says this. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through this glory and goodness, he has given us every, uh, his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped corruption, the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. Build on those things in your life. Allow the Spirit of God to build in you his fruit and his gifts and show them. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, says Peter, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is short-sighted and blind. His, it's his battle. It's not ours. God's given us the equipment. He's given us the weaponry. Far superior to what our, our, our enemy has. Use, use your, your weaponry wisely. And thirdly, and lastly, don't let your enemy get too close to you. Don't allow the enemy to get too close to you. There's far too many damaged men and women walking around, damaged in their own lives, uh, damaged in their own faith even, because they've allowed the devil to get close to them. Whether it's through an addiction, a habit, a, a, a way of being, an attitude, a hurt, a grievance, you've allowed the devil to get too close to you and you've been damaged. Maybe you're harboring something now. Maybe you're really aware that you have something in your life now that is a result of the devil striking you. Well, remember, his days are short. He is still dangerous. So don't allow the devil in. When you're faced with that moment of temptation, when you could do something when nobody else is watching, nobody else is around, don't do it. God's there. God's in you. That's where the battleground is. The devil's after our hearts and he's after our, after our mind. Resist the devil and he will flee. We get hurt because we allow him to get too close. Remember, it's his battle. So when you're getting tempted, when you're struggling, remind yourself and speak out loud, this is your battle. This is your battle, God, and I'm handing it over to you. If you're faced with an addiction and you've got whatever that is, substance, alcohol, whatever it is in front of you, you know, speak out loud. That's your enemy. That's your Goliath. Speak out loud. I come against you in the name of the Lord Jesus. I come against you in the, in the name of the Lord. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut you off. We are in Jesus. Friends, this morning, if you're a Christian... If you've repented and given your life over to, to, to God, if he's your Lord, we are in Jesus this morning. Therefore, we're never the underdogs. We're on the victor's side. We're never defeated. 
The battle is his and not yours. Let's close our eyes. Let's really take a moment this morning. Think about the battles that we are in. Think about the battle that rages for your heart, for your mind, for your soul right now. Think about the, could be an addiction, it could be a way of thinking, it could be a, an attitude, it could be some kind of grievance that someone has hurt you and you cannot forgive. Give that over to God this morning. Give that over to God this morning. Hit that enemy with that stone. Cut that enemy's head off. Say, I'm not going to live like this any longer. The battle is God's. And be part of the victory this morning. Father, I pray, Lord, for my friends here gathered. Lord, for the people that are online right now. Lord, whatever battle that they are in, Lord, may, may they be reminded and assured this morning that their enemy is defeated. Their weaponry is far superior. And the battle is not theirs, but the Lord's. So don't let their enemy get too close to them. Lord, we know that there's a battle raging. But Father, we pray, uh, we encourage ourselves this morning that Jesus has won the ultimate victory. He is Lord. He is King. He is far superior. Everything is under his feet. And he has won the battle for us. And we are his children. In Jesus' name. Amen.